It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. You're listening to the Sticks in the Six podcast. Here are your calls. Andrew Forbes, Peter Barakini, and Alex Hoffman. Good evening, everyone, and welcome to episode 143 of Sticks in the Six. As always, I'm your host, Andrew, here with my co-host, Peter and Dar. Uh, we're missing our country star co-host uh, <laughs> uh, for, the, for the evening. A celebrity. Uh, a celebrity now uh, making his yeah. rounds. Uh, with the the country tour um but uh yeah it's uh we got we got a fair amount to talk about when it comes to our leafs uh some hockey news uh from around uh around the hockey world but before we get into that uh peter how you doing buddy doing good man and it's not just the hockey world right now but like it seems like baseball started to overshadow everything right now and i think i i think you know where i'm going with this the whole shoney possibility of becoming a jay and man i'm ecstatic or over the moon for the possibility of that like this is like next level huge i think this will be a little bit bigger than no disrespect to the whole john Tavares signing because that was huge for the city but this is probably bigger than that considering what shohei has done in the past and i'm the moment he signs a contract dude i don't know how i'm gonna feel i mean obviously ecstatic but i'm gonna make a beeline to getting a powder blue Otani jersey right away I hope they even have like the Japanese like lettering or like spelling for his name because I think putting that on the back would be really cool as well but my first instinct is gunning for Otani jersey if that does happen I'm trying I'm trying not to get my hopes up because I saw the Juan Soto uh, uh, stuff you know only 25 that guy's got a lot of baseball ahead of him Mm -hmm. Um, and then of course Shohai Otani and there's there's talks that the the Jays are you know, fifty percent favorites to kind of make that signing. Obviously, Kikuchi's there. You saw the Steve Phillips thing, then. I did see the Steve Phillips yeah. thing. So, I mean, I, I try not to get my hopes up. I also think that, like, you know, if you sign him to a six hundred million dollar contract, all of a sudden, ticket prices are starting to climb, go way up. So, I mean, that's the pessimist in me. But, you know, <laughs> like, um, yeah, it's uh, it's definitely some big news uh, happening in, in Toronto and. It's you know count on the Jays to kind of steal them steal the headlines in in the the you know big smoke when it comes to uh, sporting news when the and Leafs are in the midst of the regular season run and especially of how bad the season went for the Jays and you know what just overall too like you know Rogers definitely has the money just fork it over 
Like, just give him whatever he wants. Just give him a blank check at this point. Toronto needs another championship. Okay, yeah. Toronto needs another championship. The Raptors mm-hmm. one is already is already starting to fade Bond a little on. bit. Yeah. So, um, yeah, um, yeah, it's a lot of lot of big news in in sports around the city. Um, as I mentioned to you prior to coming on here, we missed last week. I had a cold. Our country, uh, our country star host was on the road, and um, mm-hmm. you know, just a lot going on in our lives. Um, I, I've, as you can hear, I haven't fully recovered. The whole household's got it now. Um, and, uh, it seems like I, I was on the mend and then I kind of relapsed a little bit. So I'm hoping to get through this in the next little bit and hoping the kids and, and, and the wife get through this in the next little bit. And that's, that's, uh, maybe one, one sickness for the, for the winter, but we'll see how that goes. But I, I don't want to complain too much, Peter, because, uh, I want to kick off the show with a little bit of sad news. Um, uh, Finnish, uh, Finnish hockey star, um, and two time, I believe, two time medalist, two time Olympic medalist, or two time Olympic, uh, Olympian for, for Finland, uh, Sani Hakala, uh, earlier this month was paralyzed from the chest down after yeah. a collision with the, the net. Um, we talk so much about freak accidents. We talk so much about, you know, all the stuff that's been going on, uh, over in the English, English league as well um surrounding um adam johnson and um you know this is obviously just a freak accident but uh if i don't know if you've read any of the stories on her but yeah i have um Mm -hmm. maintaining a positive attitude um not even talking about the fact that she's paralyzed rather talking about what uh you know what comes next for her and um you know to maintain that positive um positivity after something like that happening um obviously our condolences and it's it's super sad but um, it, it is inspiring seeing somebody come out of that with, you know, that kind of uh, mentality as well. So, our, again, our thoughts and, and uh, go out from here, six and the six to her and her family. And, uh, you know, excited to see what you do next. Uh, I'm sure your hockey journey is not done. So, mm-hmm. um, but yeah, so let's get into a little bit uh, a news surrounding that as well. The double double IHF is mandating neck guards now um, that came out, I believe, earlier today, maybe yesterday. Um, there was some speculation that they would do so. Um, and now they are as well as the OHL is getting protective skate, protective gear that goes basically from like your neck down and then has it on your like ankles and behind the knees and all that kind of stuff in the groin. So it's, well. it's like one massive, like long John suit of like Kevlar or something, I guess. Right. Yes. And basically they've, they've, uh, noted that production is, is a bit of an issue and distribution has been a bit of an yeah. issue, but, that being said, um, over half the league has it already, um, and they will continue to, to push that. So shout out to the OHL for that. Shout out to the double, double IHF for taking the steps necessary to do so. Obviously, we've seen it kind of scattered throughout the NHL since the Adam Johnson uh, incident where players are starting to put the neck guards on and and kind of, you know, test out different different uh, types of neck, guard, neck protection. Um, but your thoughts on the double IHF instituting this and, and the OHL obviously taking their step as well. I mean, we already know that the double IHF mandates that for the junior level for like U18s world junior and everything, but the mandate at the senior level, that is absolutely big. We, we, we've talked about, you know, the possibility of teams, players taking that initiative. I know the Maple Leafs have recently, a lot of them are starting to wear the neck guards. I know Simon Benoit, Giordano, uh, Tyler Bertuzzi have worn it, but like for international competition, that's huge because you, 
again, you don't know what can happen. And the one part that's exposed in hockey is basically your neck area. Like you have the visor cover your eyes too, but even then that's still a possibility of getting cut, but your whole entire neck is exposed. I mean, that, that is very serious. And the fact that they're taking that initiative, the fact that all leagues around or majority of the leagues are starting to see, you know, that this is very serious. It's a good step forward. I mean, there's no other way to put it. And, you know, this is something big that the double IHF needed to do. And now others need to keep going forward. Next up, it is basically not sure what the AHL is doing, but um, NHL as well. They need to keep pushing this forward. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, and and I, I think it's only a matter of time to see a little, a little bit more. Um, making his second appearance, a little Oakley here. Um, <laughs> there he is, a little feature. <laughs> Um, but yeah, uh, the, ne- the next thing I want to talk to you about, and, and you'll have a good insight on this is, is the NHL draft. Um, yeah. Heading to the Vegas bubble. Uh, how do you feel about that? And, and, you know, the, the whole idea of making it more remote, um, you know, obviously for somebody who's been to the draft, they, you know, the insight that you get from the players after being drafted, the insight mm-hmm. you get from like being around the scouts and being around the team management. What are your, what are your thoughts on, on this whole idea of, of making a remote draft? How does it affect it? Yeah. I, I mean, you see what happens when the MLB does it, the NFL does it, even the NBA where they're all, in their little quarters at the office and then the players are there, but the media is still there. And you know what? I've only gone twice, but talking to the guys in charge, scouts, head scouts, amateur scouts, um, GMs, coaches, seeing all of them there, it plays a big difference because it sets the tone for everything. And it also basically you get the insight right there firsthand And not only that too, but interacting with all the other writers and prospect people, NHL staff, everybody, it's absolutely great to see because, you know, you build that, not necessarily that bond, but you build that, you know, interaction with everybody, talking with them uh, off the record, um, talking with them before everything's happening and getting little tidbits and all that. It's fun, but you're probably still going to get that with the reporters, but seeing everything firsthand with the teams there. I was a big fan of it growing up. I'm so a big fan of it right now. The fact that it's going decentralized, it is kind of a bummer, but also at the same time, what better way than to go off with a big bang in Vegas? You know, like I, 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 I don't know what's going to happen. Hopefully I can get credentials again, but if I do, it's, uh, it's, it's going to be wild. It's going to be wilder than Nashville at that point. Yeah. Could you imagine like having all the prospects kind of around that bubble and they call them up, uh, you know, one at a time, like in the middle of it. I mean, yeah, that could, that can end up being, you know, quite the show or it could, it could go deep, very yeah. poorly as well. But um, yeah, I, I don't know. I just, I, I don't want to say like the league's looking to silence, like the voice of some of the media, but like, I feel like there's been an, a there's more... too much going on at that point. Cause free agency is around the corner as well. Yeah, But also, you know, Pierre Lebrun even brought up a good point. Just bump everything up to avoid this fiasco kind of thing. Yeah, I, I, I just feel like, you know, when you're when you're trying to make it remote, you don't give the access that maybe you normally have. Um, and, you know, it, it ends up hurting 
um, the the opportunity as well for like guys like yourself to get down there and get a little bit of insight from some some of the you know top ten players or top twenty players or guys that mm-hmm. slipped to the second round that should have been a top fifteen pick. Like, yeah, I I, I don't know, I I don't know. It just it's it's one of those things that just kind of you know I I feel like there's been a bit of a like an ongoing battle between like league and and and, and media um, for the last little bit. You know, you look at guys like. Um, Oh, who am I thinking of here? Um, I, I I don't know. I, it'll come to me. It'll come to me. Um, but it, it's just like there's almost with the whole the whole uh, Kyle Beach situation that happened. The whole yeah, you know, inclusivity uh, discussion. Um, you know, obviously the media is giving their side of things as well, and you know we've we've written stories on it as well. The hockey Canada stuff that's mm-hmm. going on. Talk hey, about it extensively. Hey, when are you know when are these players going to be notified that you know they're you know they're part of the investigation or or what have you? You know what I mean? Like it's just mm-hmm. maybe because there's so many, I want to say black marks at this point that there's there's a little bit of animosity there, and and I feel like making decentralizing the draft actually plays into that a little bit. I I don't know. I don't know how it's going to mm-hmm. work. I think we need to see how it's going to work, but I I. I I don't know. I like the in-person thing. It's like it's like going from like a hard copy book to like an e-reader. Yeah, I'm still I'm still all for the the hard copy book. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, but there are people out there that love their e-readers. So I yeah, I, I don't know. I don't know. That's I was just about to say, call us old fashioned because I mean, basically we, we, we've seen plenty of drafts throughout the nineties, early thousands and everything. We know how that works. And that's what, that's what differentiated. And I think the NHL did a better job of it. Because it they they did make it about you know the teams getting involved and everything like that and just I, 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 again it's seeing them not there again it's it's very crucial because let's face it I I love the comments that Wes Clark gave about Easton when he came up to the podium and we talked to mm-hmm. or like there was a media scrum with him how he gave his insight, how they were really high on him in the second half and into the postseason. That's what's that's what did it in the way that he spoke highly about Noah Chadwick and his development. And we are seeing that right now with his progression in the WHL. So that little bit of info from the source itself, I, it, it is going to be missed. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, yeah. I just, I don't know. I, I think that interaction is, is key to, to, you know, the success of, of individuals like, you know, you and me and, and people like us and mm-hmm. um it's just it makes it tough but um like i said i think if we see it we get a chance to see how it's going to work and how it's going to play out and it, it could play out differently than what we what we expect but um definitely a, a converse a, you know a question mark surrounding it at this point in time when it comes to the coverage of the draft it will be pretty cool to see it in vegas um yeah and ho- hopefully you get a ticket down there man that'd be that'd be pretty sick oh. to cover it down there as well i was gonna say this like if it does happen, there's probably going to be very little work involved. <laughs> I'm just going to say that right now. Hey, I'll throw you. I'll throw you a fifty. You can go place a few bets for me. There you go. Books. Uh, get 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 a nice suit. Get some glasses. Walk in like Danny Ocean or something like that from Logan's Eleven. But uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um. Anyways, jumping over to our Maple Leafs. Um. A lot of conversation around this team uh, so far this season. Their consistency or lack thereof. Um, the injuries that seem to be piling up on the blue line, Nick Robertson finally getting an opportunity and making it count. 
Um, let's kick it off though with their most recent stint against Boston. Um, some backlash for for some of the big guys like Nylander and JT. Um, you know, obviously another OT loss, which we'll get into in in, in a little bit here, but. Your thoughts on the overall play of this team, your thoughts on their play against Boston, and that that key goal right at the end there where whether it was miscommunication, lack of effort on JT's part, um, and Marshawn obviously with the with the game yeah. winner, kind of an I you know, poetic irony if you if you uh or poetic justice if you if you ask me. Yeah, I mean, especially with him being the villain after what happened with Timothy Lilligren, right? I mean it, it kind of seemed like fate, like who else? <laughs> to do that but brad marchand but it's just like like i i you don't know what to expect anymore from this team because it's it's a little not necessarily embarrassing because there's a lot of parody right now but at the same time you should be able to kind of hold your own and you should be able to find ways to win a regulation we're gonna i'm not i'm just gonna leave it at that for the whole ot topic (laughs) but in regards to like jt and nylander it's like I'm I'm picturing the replay in my mind because I'm like, what just happened? And I'm pretty sure you saw it. Everybody else saw it. And everyone was pretty adamant that that was kind of a poor effort overall. You know, Nylander is basically trying to direct the play and get people going or players going to say, hey, I'm going to go here. Taking his time, trips up the ice. And then you see the lack of effort from Tavares. And Morgan Riley is the only one back on a three-on-one. And then it's like, well, what what the hell did we just witness kind of thing? I mean, I get Nylander trying to set the play up, but you're just seconds away from a shootout. Just where was that drive that we saw when we were watching that Minnesota Wild game where he took control, took charge, and attacked with force? It seemed like that was a completely different William Nylander. And the William Nylander that we're going to hear a lot of people – basically say oh you know that's why he's not worth 10 million dollars kind of thing and it's just like yeah yeah well you know he's been their best player up until that point that was a bad misread miscue whatever i think he still should have attacked it because you know what he can do when he attacks with force he gets defenders on their heels and he can beat them easily Tavares, i know he was waiting at the blue line and there was probably no way he was coming back but you got to keep your feet moving in overtime, no matter what, even if you're just gliding around, because you don't know what can happen. If you stop and the play goes the other way, like it did, you're caught. And again, JT probably should know a little bit better that he probably should have hustled back. He probably should have been a little bit better position. Again, Nylander tripping was a big result of that, but it was just a, it was just issue on top of issue or mistake and mistake that piled on that led to the game winning goal. And that's just the sort of thing that this team lacks is the attention to detail and reading the play as it unfolds, because they're not doing that very well, whether it's five on five, whether it's an overtime, because there are quite a few chances in overtime where they just, it was just like going the other way. And it's like, what the hell are you doing? Kind of thing. So they really need to iron that out. And I believe during practice today, uh, you know, a little side note with that, but um, it seemed like Keith was not impressed with the practice. Uh, I believe Mark Masters and even Tony Ambrosio were tweeted something out about um, basically yelling, saying that the practice was, I, I'm just going to use one of the words. I think it was just basically horseshit kind of thing. 
And that's the frustration that Keith is seeing in game that we've already seen him lash out on. And now we're seeing it in practice right now. And that to me is concerning. So they better kind of like get that attention to detail because they're losing like costly points with the losses. They're getting one, but it's not making any ground in the standings whatsoever. Yeah. I mean, I have a hard time kind of blaming any, any individual player. I think, the problem lately has been the effort as a, as a whole. And, you know, it, it, am I wrong in saying that this team hasn't had all four of their core four going at once? Yeah. Right? Like, you've had Matthews had, had a hot, hot start. Um, Nylander was was hot off the start. You know, Marner kind of came alive in that, the you know, the next five games. And then, and then you had Nylander again, and now Matthews is kind of hot again. You, you really haven't had a successful – 60 minute game from all four year stars that has, has, I mean, on paper, this team really should be able to beat anybody. Yeah. Um, and, and, and I know this is a conversation. It's kind of, you know, it's a broken record at this point. We talk about this every single year, at least since Matthews has come into the league, but um, it just seems like you can't get all four of them going at once. And whether it's, you know, maybe the time on the ice isn't spread out properly. Maybe, you're, you're asking too much of certain players in certain instances. I, I don't know what the answer is. I'm not at, at the end of the day, I'm not Sheldon Keefe. I'm not an NHL coach, but from watching on the outside, there are, you need to get all four of them going. If mm-hmm. this team is ever going to be successful. And I think that's the biggest thing. So you could sit there and you could criticize Tavares for not giving the effort on the way back. There was not a chance in hell that he was going to catch Marshall. Yeah. And he knew that like, there was not a chance in hell. The hope was that, you know, maybe Wall makes this. Maybe Wall makes the save. Play comes Rebound back, comes and, out. Yeah, and he's already halfway up the ice. You know, like that's the mentality of a hockey player, right? Mm-hmm. Nylander, you know, he tried to avoid a hit with the puck, and you know, lo and behold, that's what happened. Like it, it, it's it, it was some shitty luck and some shitty plays, and 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 that was the end of the game. Like. I don't know what people are looking for, but to sit there and say that Nylander's not a $10 million guy, I think they got to look back at the last three seasons, even four seasons, and and really you know, judge him based on what he's done consistently. Mm-hmm. And, and his consistency might be one of his biggest strong points. The last few games, he hasn't played well. Yeah. And that's... You know, that's a fair statement. It's not saying that he's having a shit season. It's not saying he's going to go downhill. It's not saying that, you know, this is the end of William Nylander in Toronto. This guy knows he's playing for a contract. This guy knows that it's the difference between, you know, 9.5 and 10.5. And he's having a bad run. The team is having a bad run. Mm -hmm. There's nothing more to it. Like, we could sit here and debate whether it's Nylander's fault or, you know, what he can do differently in his game or he's having a bad run. I mean, Jack Campbell had a bad run in Edmonton and look where he is. He's in the AHL. That's not going to be Nylander. Mm-hmm. Nylander's going to have a couple of bad games. He's going to come back and he's going to score five over the next seven. Like that's, it, it, it's just the way that he's been over his career, but it's been consistent. And that's what people have to focus on. They have to realize that, you know, this player's got the, got a high, high ceiling and, you know, he is a legitimate, what was it? 80 points last season. Yeah. He's a legitimate 80 point guy. Mm-hmm. Simple as that. I want to pose a question to you because obviously with the hot start and with Matthews and Marner not clicking, 
everyone was saying it's time to put Nylander up with Matthews. That that has been the case for some time right now, where you want to try and get them going. But it seems like whenever Nylander does get up with Matthews, it's not at the same rate or same pace when he's on with JT and he's dominating that line more. Uh, have you, I, I just want to get a set. Have you noticed that kind of trend? So I was talking to somebody about this the other day because I was, you know, I was in the same same boat. When you put Marner on that second line, um, and what is it right now? Marner, Bertuzzi, Bertuzzi and Tavares. Uh, you have three passers. So for Marner to go and have his hat trick the other night, like that's just incredible because you have yeah. three passers on the same line. When you put Nylander with with uh, with Matthews, you have two shooters on the same line. Mm-hmm. So now all of a sudden, like Nylander's trying to make plays. Matthews is trying to make plays because none of them really understand what their role is on that line because – now all of a sudden you've got two guys that are used to being shoot first trying to make plays. Mm-hmm. And obviously Nylander's going to be the guy that says, okay, I'm going to give it to Matthews to shoot because, you know, Matthews is supposed to be the guy. Right. But yeah. when you have them broken up, all of a sudden you have nice. Who's your power forward. You have Marner. Who's the playmaker and you have Matthews. Who's the shooter on the second line. You've got Bertuzzi, the passer, um, Tavares, who's, who's kind of fallen into that net front presence, I wouldn't call him a power forward by any means, but he's he's played a gritty game for an older vet. And you have um, Nylander, who's your go-to shooter on that line. That's that's that 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 was my yeah. thinking, and that's why I'm like when people say, "Yeah, you got to you got to break up this line." Well, no, you got to find a way to get them both going, because yeah. when when you come to playoffs. Yeah, you could break up the line. If you only have one line going, you, you're still going to get knocked out in the first or second round. Mm-hmm. You need that depth scoring. So you need to figure out a way to make both of those lines work and click at the same time. But I like that's just the yeah. way I look at it. And like I said, I'm not I'm not an NHL coach by any means. Somebody's gonna watch this and say, like, this guy has no fucking idea what he's saying. <laughs> at the end of the day, like look at it, look at it realistically and look at other yeah. teams. Um you know, Pittsburgh, here's a perfect example. Pittsburgh, they've got Brian Rust, um, Sidney Crosby, and Jay Gensel. Jay Gensel's There's your the shooter. Right there. Jay Gensel's your shooter. Brian Rust is your power forward. Sidney Crosby is your playmaker. That's yeah. that's that's what you need in a line. Everyone's got a role. Everyone understands their role. And on the defensive end, that's where you need people to come back and play. And that's that's where the Leafs have been struggling. They're bottom, I believe they're bottom seven in the league in odd man rushes against you're not going to win games like that yeah that i believe it was mega cheka that published that like tweet or the graphic of the stats of like you know 3.4 uh rushes per game and they were at 24th and i honestly thought they would be a hell of a lot lower considering what we've seen in every single game to this point but it's it's funny that you brought up that you know dynamics of each player on each line of their role because you do get the sense that, yeah, you bump up Nylander, but now you have two shooters right now. They're trying to figure out, no, you're going to shoot. I'm going to shoot, at least with Marner. Yeah, he shoots every now and then, but he's the he's the play driver on that line. Nylander is the play driver on that second one. And it seems like Nylander just need to keep on playing his game in order for that to happen. But it just seems like he's trying to do a bit too much now on that top line, as opposed to Marner doing too much, getting demoted and excelling. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And and like look, at the end of the day, these guys are going to find their success. Marner has the most assists and most primary assists and most 
uh, total assists on Matthew's career goals. You know who number two is? Nylander. So regardless of yeah. who you put him with, it, he, they're going to find success. I just think you have to look at it from a point of like, this is what their roles are. This is how we, you know, this is how we build depth within the within the roster. And when it comes to playoffs, yeah, we need a physical player on each line. We need a guy that's going to go in there and get the pucks. And then we need our shooter and we need our playmaker. That's mm-hmm. that's what you had. Look back at look another quick example. Look back at the um at the uh the Leafs power play from the McGillney Sundin Tucker. Okay, yeah, Tucker went into the corners, grabbed the puck. Got the puck. He was the physical guy. He was the net front presence. You had McGillney down in the corner. He was the playmaker. And you had Sundin, who was your shooter. Like, yeah, it was, I, it almost sounds like common sense when you say it out loud, but I can understand why people get lost in this idea of like, you got two egos in Matthews and Marner. You need to break them up. Mm-hmm. Well, it, you know, it doesn't always work that way. It's not a, it's not a Crosby Malkin idea. Like you've got, three incredible talents when you when you put Matthews Marner and Nylander together together yeah so at, at a certain point one of them's got to find success on that second line I just don't think Marner's the guy to find that on the second line mm-hmm. although you know, like it's just an emotion he's proved himself you know yeah, I know people are gonna shit yeah. all over that last comment I made because <laughs> he's got a hat trick in one game but you know what like yeah look, look at the history of it for sure. When he, yeah, when yeah. he came in, he wasn't playing with Matthews. He got on Matthews' line, and all of a sudden, they took off. Mm-hmm. Right? There's a reason yeah. why he's got the most career assists on Matthews' goals. Yeah. And I'll publish that stat later on Twitter if you guys want to see it. So you you follow me on Twitter if you're watching. <laughs> I will have that stat for you. I'll have a list of the I believe it's 40 some odd players that have assisted on Matthews' goals over the over the the length of his career so far. There you go. So, but yeah, I, I don't know. That's a, that's a great question. I, I'd love if anybody else has an opinion, like feel free to comment now here on the show on Facebook or, or wherever you're watching on YouTube um, and, and give us your opinion on, on whether you think Matthews and Nylander is better than Matthews and Marner and, and you know, what your take on it, on it is. And we'd love to have that conversation. So um, yeah, I mean, we're open, we're open to your opinion as well, but um, getting into that, let's talk about, the Leafs in regulation, because that was the whole discussion about the Bruins in overtime. The Leafs have five regulation wins in uh, this season. That is fewer than the San Jose Sharks. And yet the Leafs sit fourth in the Atlantic division. I believe when I last looked, they were just six points out of first in the division. Yep. And they have a game in hand on the three ahead of them. So, Kings of overtime, kings of overtime. Is it something that you want to have by the end of the season, or you know, is this is this something that they need to change and change quickly? I mean, if you're the kings of overtime, it's a good sense if you're like you know, throughout the whole entire season, you've gone to eight overtimes, so you're eight and zero kind of thing. In the month of november and this is just november in the 12 games they played i by my count they've gone to overtime or shootout seven times and that's 12 games that's over half of the games played gone into overtime it's a lot of hockey definitely definitely a lot of hockey and even when you look at when the season started in october 
you know, they had three games that went into overtime or beyond extra time. And they went two and one in that span, but November wasn't that kind of them. And you already kicked off December with an overtime loss against the Bruins. It's great that they found ways to win games, but they managed to lose those games because they were ahead and they were a dominant team. So for example, well, not necessarily the Bruins one, but let's take the Seattle game. For example, they were the dominant team. They had everything going for them. They sat back and they <laughs> lost that game. They managed to find a way to win. Great. But how that is a bad recipe for success because when the playoffs come, you know that whatever happened in a regular season means nothing. But if you're going that extra distance every time, fatigue is going to probably set in a little bit quicker. And you know what? You need to save yourself a little bit more for that long, grueling grind in the postseason. So it's great that you're finding ways to win, but you're also losing games and you're losing a point when that can separate you and push you ahead further in the standings right now. Because based on what I'm seeing right now um, in the East, three points separate, or actually five points now separate Tampa Bay and Detroit. No, sorry, four. Four points. I can't count. Um, But between Detroit, Florida, and Toronto, that's a three-point separation right there. If the Maple Leafs, I mean, they still got the win and they got the extra point. They only have four overtime shootout losses. But they're eight and four in shootouts and in overtime. Yeah. That's not something you want to be proud of at this point when you see Boston, they're 17, four and three. And what's their shootout win loss record? One and oh, Toronto's four and one basically right now. I mean, it's again, great that you're finding a way to win a game. Good teams do find ways to win games, but you're going to be super exhausted when the time matters and when the time comes to be at your best. And that extra time may be a big factor. I'll say this. Um, I wouldn't have as big of an issue if it wasn't uh, if it wasn't divisional games. Uh, the divisional games are what's going to hurt you yeah. in the long run. And on top of that, if you like 12 out of 22 games, if you continue that pace, do you know how much more hockey you're playing? I get it. Joseph Wall says he loves being in overtime. He loves the fans. Mm-hmm. Um, he loves the excitement. He loves all that. There comes a point where playing that extra hockey is going to, is going to eat you up. And with the Leafs where they are right now with the injuries that we're going to get into in just a second here, that's not the kind of, you know, you don't want to be playing extra hockey. You want to be getting the wins, getting off the ice and, and getting time to recoup. Um, So, yeah, I think it's, you know, long winded answer, but yeah, I think it's something that needs to change sooner rather than later. um, At least before you hit the midway point of the season. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, and hopefully as we're going to get into, you know, possible targets or possible players to bring in, hopefully that can make a difference because right now the team defense is the reason why they're going to overtime and, you know, not securing the victory in regulation too. And it's hard to put the blame on Joseph Wall because he's been fantastic at this point. Samson off a different story. Some games he's shaky, some some games he's good, but – at least in Wall's case, he's doing his part. It's up to everybody else to carry and do their part as well. 
And, uh, I mean, it's always fun to watch overtime as well. It's always fun to bet on overtime. And with that, a quick word from our sponsors over at DraftKings Sportsbook. Bet the action on the ice with DraftKings Sportsbook. You can bet now on any of the games lined up for tonight, or you can bet on our Maple Leafs as they get ready to kick off a two-game week. Download the app now and use code THPN. New customers can get $150 instantly in bonus bets for betting just $5 on hockey. That's code THPN only on DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NHL. The crown is yours. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort. 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash hockey for eligibility and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gambling resources. NHL and the NHL Shield are registered trademarks of the National Hockey League. Copyright NHL 2023. All rights are reserved. Well, Salary cap, let's talk a little salary cap here. The the talk is from the Board of Governors meetings that the salary cap is expected to increase next season, as everyone did expect. I believe the number was, was it 86? 87.7, I believe. 87.7. So a good little jump and uh, certainly a beneficial jump for the Maple Leafs. Peter, your thoughts on what the Leafs could do with that extra little bit of cash? Uh, well... For the quietness that has been on the William Nylander front, I think that's huge or a big positive step and that the Maple Leafs now have an indication of where the salary cap is going to go for the foreseeable future. So now you can play into the fact that now you can probably, I know that there were talks and there were dialogues uh, during the season, but now the hope is that it could probably increase because now you know what's going to happen with William Nylander because there could be more money allocated to that. But now let's look at the fact that, you know, you're still going to get more space and more leverage when Tyler Bertuzzi is possibly off the books with his 5.5. Max Domini is three, if, unless he resign, resigns for at the same price, maybe that could still be beneficial. But you're also looking at TJ Brody's 5 million comment off the books. Are the Maple Leafs going to resign him? Is he going to take a bit of a discount? We'll see. Um, you know, Ilya Samsonov is going to be a free agent as well. There's 3.55 off the books as well. Chances are, are the Maple Leafs going to look in a different direction? We'll see. So there's a lot of money for uh, unrestricted free agents there, but a lot more money in regards to the cap space that you can work with to get key players signed, like a William Nylander. Um, could definitely work out in the future when you have to deal with an RFA, like a Matthew Nyes kind of thing, although still two seasons away for that. But a lot of possibilities and a lot of options at this point for the Maple Leafs to bring in some contracts. Like if you do bring in a Chris Tanev, you could re-sign him. Um, a lot of possibility as well uh, with everything going on. And even with John Klingberg, who went on, who's basically done for the season. There goes his 4.1 million 
as well. Chances are, I don't think the Maple Leafs are going to resign him next season as well or in next offseason. So we'll see what happens. Definitely a good sign because this was supposed to be the case pre-pandemic, but the pandemic had a bit of a say in that, pushed everything back. But now everything's starting to look up for the Leafs and even for the league right now. Yeah, no, absolutely. I think um, we knew this was coming. Obviously, the players had to pay off what the owners lost uh, through the pandemic. So that was a big key as to why it wasn't climbing the way that it we, you know, us as fans would have liked to see it. Teams would have liked to see it. Uh, the Leafs had planned, obviously, for that to, to happen with the, the JT signing, the Riley signing, all that kind of stuff happening um, pre slash during the pandemic. Um that said, I think it's a great uh, it's a great thing for the Leafs. Obviously, you need to sign Nylander, as you mentioned, um, so that'll be the big key. I think that's where you can find a kind of find the money to, to offer him that ten million. Obviously, mm-hmm. JT comes off the books very soon, so that's something that uh, you, you have to consider as well. Um, it is interesting to see what they're going to do with that long term IR uh, money. Obviously, Muzzin's on there. Uh, you've got Klingberg on there. You've got you know. Y- the Leafs have had a tumultuous season when it comes to, um, you know, injuries, especially on the back end. So that's Matt Murray's on there and, yeah. and there's no sign of him coming back either. So, um, yeah. Lower grin still on there. There's, I'm going to try and do some math at the top of my head right now. You have 14.4 million on LTIR minus Timothy Lilligren. Cause at some point he's probably going to come back. So, 14 million in LTIR. Like, wow. This is like Tampa Bay. Wow. This is Tampa Bay, um, like cap bullshit going on. 14 million over the cap now. The Leafs are learning. The Leafs are learning. (laughs) That's how you do it. Um, Yeah. um, Yeah. It's, it's, it's interesting. And and they're going to obviously be in a, in a, uh, interesting situation when it when it's all said and done, and and that's why they've got uh, Prindham there. Is, is the, you know he's the cap master, so he can he can figure it all out. Um, but uh, yeah, aside from that, uh, last thing I really want to talk about here, Peter, is is obviously the injuries that are happening on the back end. You mentioned Lilligren. Uh Mark Giordano is week to week with a broken finger, and uh, obviously the news broke today that John Klingberg's season is done with the Maple Leafs. He was on a one-year contract. Um, your thoughts on the whole Klingberg situation. I know Tree Living's taking a, a beating in terms of like, you know, signing damaged goods and all that conversation, but your thoughts on that situation and what the Leafs can do to uh, possibly fill that void. Yeah. I listen, you don't want to see anybody get injured despite the backlash and poor play that Klingberg has had. It, it, it's definitely sucks. Like it really does because this is a guy that's wanted to try and turn things around. But you know, the fact that he has had injuries this season and you knew something was up from the very beginning because he wasn't as, because I know during the preseason, he looked relatively okay, even within his own zone. But that game against Ottawa where he had trouble pivoting and turning around and moving. Something was definitely up at that point because he just got walked around and there was like no effort whatsoever. Everyone was just saying, Oh, he's bad defensively. Well, now we know why, because he's dealing with something a little bit serious and you know, that hip, that hip issue, like he's going in for surgery at the end of the month. That's going to play a big factor of what the Maple Leafs can do now. Now that they have that cap space, it gives Trilliving that opportunity to aggressively seek out, a move right now and we all know the 
the news that Elliot Freeman reported that they wanted both Tanev and Sidora, but they couldn't get, you know, retained salary on both. But now that Kleinberg's off, you have the ability to get Chris Tanev fully at what his cap uh, salary cap is going to be. I believe it's around 3.8, uh, 4.5. Okay. No, no. So you got a little bit more. So you got a little bit more to work with where you still got to release some cap space as a result of that. But if you could just get another third team to eat 25% of that cap, that's going to be huge no matter what. So you get that going. You even try to find another target out there that's possibly willing to come over. I know they want a defenseman that has, you know, that grit factor. All right, it's not Tanev. Are you going to look at a Nick Sealer kind of thing? Is this the year where you give up a lot to try and acquire Brett Pesci? Because, you know, how great or how great the Carolina hurricane system has been. He's a free agent at the end of next season as well. Do you try to bring him over? Um, we'll see what happens because there are a lot of possible names and a lot of links to players that they've been to or have been connected to in the past. That makes a lot of sense for this team because you want to get a little bit better defensively. You want some tenacity. And in the case of a Brad Pesci, you want to alleviate some of that pressure off TJ Brody. Cause it seems like, the workload and the minutes are starting to get to him. Having another player with that uh, factor, it could go a long way because he's great at both ends of the puck, so or both sides of the puck. So, I, I, I think this is the perfect opportunity for Treleving to make a deal right now, be aggressive, and do a lot of shopping ahead of the trade deadline right now, so you can build that chemistry or what has been lost early on in the season because everyone's basically been injured. I want to get your uh, your opinion on. Uh... The, the piece I put out there today uh, regarding Ethan Bear, uh, yeah. obviously a free agent, a guy that, uh, you know, th- there's not necessarily come from the from the, the, the team themselves. But I know over the, the past couple of seasons, there's been a lot of conversation amongst Leafs Nation about possibly bringing in Ethan Bear. I know you've talked about bringing in Ethan Bear a couple of years ago. Um, and uh, it's a it's a guy that you can go out and get without, you know, without giving up too many assets based Mm -hmm. on the fact that there are three contract spots for the Maple Leafs right now. They would have to send somebody back down, but I mean, you've got those three band-aids on the, on the back end right now, filling that void uh, with the injuries that have happened. Um, What what are your thoughts on, on the possibility of Ethan bear coming in? Yeah, I think that would be great because you know, he does, he is basically everything that you want in a steady kind of two way defender. Um, you know, maybe a little bit more offensive upside than what you would already have. And that could, you know, be a factor along with Morgan Riley that could maybe not necessarily replace what John Kleinberg would have done, but you would get a lot more points than what we're seeing right now. Um, Obviously, you know, he has, he, it looks like the thing is he's had bad injury luck. That's the main concern right now with Ethan bear. I absolutely love him as a player, even like, you know, playing with the Carolina Hurricanes and Edmonton Oilers or even the Vancouver Canucks last season. Like he was a big factor, but the fact that, you know, you look at the games played uh, the last three seasons, or maybe 2020, 2021 was the shortened season for that, the COVID lockout one, but even like 2021, 22, 58 games and 61 last season with the Vancouver Canucks. So that's the big issue right there. And the Maple Leafs are already dealing with injuries themselves, but if he's able to stay healthy, yeah, he could definitely be a very steady 
or solid, you know, third pairing defender, maybe uh, second pairing to move up and play alongside Jake McCabe as well. You know, we need a right shot defender. Um, If he's able to, like, he does have that work ethic. If he's got, if he's dialed in, I think it's going to be a big addition for the Leafs if they do pursue him. Yeah, I, I brought it up with the idea that, you know, to bring a guy like Tanev, look, Ethan Bear is not a top four guy. He's he's a bottom mm-hmm. pairing, maybe maybe a second pairing guy that can can fit in, but he brings the intangibles. He he plays a physical game. He averages close to two block shots a game. He's not willing or he's willing to to excuse me, sacrifice the, the body, which obviously Lace we see with the injuries. Um but it, you know, it, you don't have to you don't have to give up any of those assets that you have in the pipeline for a guy like Chris Tanev. And you're not guaranteed that when you make that move for Chris Tanev, that he's going to come in and have the chemistry that, that you need to. True. So, I mean, mm-hmm. Ethan bears kind of a low risk option um, that could end up being a high reward. Um, and, and you're going through free agency. You have the ability to, to maybe go out and sign him a one-year contract. You know, the money is, is, uh, is, is, based on what, what he'll play for you this season. And, and that's only, you know, two thirds of a season at this point. So I don't know, just an option that I brought up, but obviously the Leafs need to get something done on the back end. I, I do, I, I will reiterate something that I said earlier in the episode. The Leafs problem is not just their defense. They're giving up the seventh most um, odd man rushes and that's going to cost you games. And that's, not on the defense. That's on the forwards. That's on you everybody. Know, their, their inability to get out of their own end. On a number of occasions, there's no support along the boards. They they seem frazzled in their their own end. And turnovers in the neutral zone. Turnovers in the neutral zone, and that's what's going to cost them. It's it's a team thing right now. It's not it's not a defensive thing. And people want to sit there and criticize that the, the back end. Well, you've got three of your starting. F- six guys out from the the beginning of the year. You've got guys that are still trying to find their footing. You have new faces in the lineup and there's been no consistency within the lineup for the first 22 games of the season. Mm -hmm. So it's a tough one. Do you want to really go out and make that big change to get a guy like Chris Tanev? Absolutely. It'd be nice. What are you giving up though? That's the big question. Yeah. And especially if there's salary retention, then it becomes an even bigger question because do you want to give up likely a first round pick, maybe a top prospect for that salary retention as well. Yeah. It's tough. No, I, I absolutely agree. I will I will fault the least on one thing and I didn't and I failed to say that say this before. They do give up the line very easily. Like they do not attack and they're not aggressive in pressuring players and entering their zone or at the blue line. They're very passive and they give the opponents a lot of space. They need to be more aggressive in that because they give up the line way too easily. And we've seen that burn them quite a bit where they have time to set up, get a play going and it, possibly a goal or dangerous shot on that kind of thing. So I, I will say that it is a team game the turnovers from forwards, defense, whatever. But I think the defense needs to be more aggressive in, you know, getting an active stick in the way to break up plays because they're letting players walk in very easily. Yeah, no, absolutely. Absolutely. And, and before we close out here, it's not, essentially Maple Leafs related, it's prospect related, but Fraser Minton and Easton Cowan, both named to the selection camp for Team Canada for the World Juniors. It's World yes. Junior season, and here in Canada, we take it seriously. Oh, we are yeah. hyped. 
we are we are quite literally two and a half weeks away from from World Juniors, and uh, you know there's going to be a lot of coverage over at the Hockey Writers. You know there's going to be a lot of coverage here at the Sticks and the Six, especially if there's two Maple Leafs on Team Canada. So, your thoughts on Easton Cowan, Fraser Minton? Are we going to see them in red, white, and black? Ah, uh, you know, huge, huge congrats to them. They full heartily deserve it. Are they going to be top six players? Probably not. But with Easton Cowan's energy, he's likely going to be a very big factor as maybe a fourth or third line energy type of player. You know, with his speed, tenacity, and work ethic, that's going to be huge. And same with uh, Fraser Minton and his physical presence. I think he's going to be more of a shutdown checking role. But that's not to say that he could chip in offensively every now and then because we see the shot that he has. It's very powerful and very accurate. Um, honestly, I, I think both have a realistically a good chance to make it because um, they're not a whole lot of returnees this time around. I think spots are wide open. I think the one given is that maybe Macklin Celebrini is going to be their top tier guy. The guy is going to be doing all the offense. Maybe you're going to look at Braden Yeager as a lock. A um, couple other players. It's, uh, I mean, not necessarily on defense because we're talking about two forwards here, but I do think that Minton and Cowan do have a good chance to fight for a spot in battle and make it tough on the coaching uh, staff because they are the type of, you know, blue collar type of players that can win you a gold medal. Again, maybe the odds aren't that great against them, but they're definitely going to be in your face. Yeah, no, absolutely. I, I like what you said about uh, Easton Cowan. He's, he's played so incredible this year for London. Uh, definitely deserves the opportunity. And in fact, worth noting that there are three London Knights that are on that roster or selection camp roster in Denver yes. Barkey, um, Oliver Bonk, and Easton Cowan. So the three guys I talked to at the uh, the NHL Combine as well, very excited for them. Um, but yeah, Easton Cowan could be a guy that you know starts the starts the tournament on the fourth line um, and, and could definitely you know make something happen very quickly and, and very quickly become a middle six guy for that team. Um, there are a lot of big names there. Um, yeah. As for Fraser Minton, I think, you know, the fact that he got a few games with the Leafs this season speaks for itself. Yeah. He's going to get an opportunity um, and you're going to see a lot of confidence from these kids. I'm very excited to see them. I hope, I hope both of them can make it. I think both will crack the, the roster. And uh, when they do get ready, Leafs nation, you're going to see some, uh, some incredible hockey from two of the future Maple Leafs. So yes. with that, Peter, anything before we shut this down? Nah, I mean, you know, like you said, we're getting prepped for we're still Maple Leafs hockey. Hopefully you could turn it around. Juniors, I'm really excited for this time, but you know what? That's why it's the most wonderful time of the year, you know? The holiday season, uh, World Juniors, can't ask for anything better. That's right, that's right. Um, yeah, it's, uh, it's going to be a fun... Uh, Fun December. We got a lot to look forward to. Uh, take it one game at a time. Hopefully no OT in these two games that the Maple Leafs have this week. But uh, we'll see what happens. Until next time, folks, thanks for tuning in to episode 143 of the podcast. We'll catch you next week. <laughs>